welcome to No Page Unturned, the podcast where Christina, Steph, and myself, Josh, go in-depth discussing books, mainly focusing on those written by BIPOC and LGBTQ plus authors. You don't have to read along with us, but be warned, there will be spoilers ahead. Corsol, the horse... Oh. All in for horses <laughs> is Corsol. <laughs> so yeah, welcome back to our coverage for the Chorus of Dragons books uh, by Jen Lyons. We're covering Name of All Things, chapters 8 through 16 this time, mm-hmm. um, which is a substantial chunk of the book um, and has some substantial demonology, Yeah, um, which is the thing that I'm most excited to talk about, but it comes a little yes. bit later, so we can talk about like the first chapters mm-hmm. first. There's a lot of afterlife shenanigans in these chapters. And it makes a lot more sense on the second read. Yes. God, yes. <laughs> or in Josh's case, the is this the fourth read through? Yeah. This is the fourth. <laughs> I feel like there should be a drinking game where every time we are reading A Course of Dragons and we say it makes so much sense the second time, the listeners have to drink. Oh, yeah. Whoever's listening to this. Yeah. Have your alcohol or beverage of choice you ready. You get trashed. Or real excited if it's coffee. <laughs> these are also definitely the chapters where, like, if you were in college reading this book, these are where the themes of the book come up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You are extremely right. Josh is, is going for a, a doctorate in English, so he's going to tell us about <laughs> Dr. Joshua. Dr. Book, book Doc, Doc Josh. <laughs> we'll, we'll workshop that one. Dr. McDougal. Sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah. Listen, if you wanted to do a PhD on this book, or these books, plural, you could. I feel like there's a lot in there. Yeah. Well, my uh, my undergrad thesis involved comparing Macbeth to the Witch King of Angmar from Lord nice. of the Rings. So yes. It's not that far off. Hey, I mean, A, I'd actually want to read that, which is a far cry from most theses. And second of all, like... The further we get away from things, the more legit they get, because apparently time makes books more recognizable. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, yeah, all those theses on Harry Potter, they're getting more legit. Oh, yeah. Or less, depending on how well, much J.K. Rowling figures into it. Yeah. Less. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that was a bummer. Anyways, Continue. let's talk about uh, Witch Smoke. Yeah. That was a big, big part of this chapter. Oh, boy. And a, and a good good magical device, mm-hmm. I feel like. It was effective. I love the idea that it's drawn to sentient thoughts. Like, that's just so fucking scary. It's just like dust from Philip Pullman, yeah. only it wants to murder sentience yeah. instead of enhance it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and while we don't have, like, confirmation that Relisvar is involved, like, Janelle thinks Relisvar is involved, and it just reminds us that, like, Relisvar has an arse, along with, along with the sigil that protects them from the witch smoke, Relisvar has a knowledge and arsenal of magic that is way above what uh, society has. Yeah, what is the deal with the sigils? 
Like I had totally forgotten that they were they were unique, and now yeah. I'm fascinated. Especially, yeah, the bit where uh, Cone is talking to I forget who about why they shouldn't have worked. The idea that just like art doesn't have tenure. And so just drawing a symbol should do nothing, particularly when you have somebody like Dorna, who is just running around smearing condiments on people's foreheads. That was the best detail. That was so oh good. <laughs> I love that also, part, if, by the way. If we could talk briefly about the food, which I want to try, it definitely sounds like this is like... So like, when you think about horse uh, cultures, you tend to not associate it with these particular foods or at least i don't but this definitely sounds like maybe southern chinese southeast mm, asian yeah, yeah. like a lot of peppers a lot of rice yeah a lot of vegetables sounds delicious yeah yeah lots of sauce chili paste yes please yeah put chili paste on all my things everything mm-hmm. makes it better and apparently Go for it. weird soft white cheese which you know honestly hell yeah. yeah you think maybe that i was thinking about it do you think maybe that's cottage cheese even though it's got to be a similar thing, really right? Like it's got to be like yeah. a, a just like a whey or like a ricotta kind of thing. I'm guessing. I don't know enough about horse milk to suggest maybe it's that too. I have no idea. Right, I'm a Google. Can you make cheese from horse milk? Da, 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 da. Horse milk cannot be made into cheese using bovine rennet, but it can be made into cheese using camel rennet weird yes that is weird yes but apparently in general uh milk from horses and donkeys has long been considered unsuitable for cheese production uh it sounds like there's huh. not enough like curd funny but also their horses could be totally different i mean fair maybe it's fireblood cheese. oh true <laughs> i don't think you can milk sentient talking <laughs> yeah, no. i don't not with that attitude you can't <laughs> Well, they have slavery, so... There's definitely somebody in the Velvet Circle who's getting milked. You know, I'm ready to move on from this conversation now. Why? You're the one that brought up food. We're talking about sigils. It's my fault. I take responsibility. (laughs) And by doing so, I'm... Let's talk about literally anything else. <laughs> Listeners, no, I just I, want you to know, this is this is two out of two, name of all things, episodes so far, where I've made Christina uncomfortable with discussions of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for all eight, baby. <laughs> I see what's happening here. I see it, and I... I, I, I see the, the pendulum coming closer and closer. <laughs> I can't escape it. The pendulum is made of cheese, yes. and it's going to crush me. Yes. Oh, well. Worst ways to die. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so sentient smoke mm-hmm. seeking out, well, smoke seeking out sentience. Yes. Like, pretty effective threat. In terms of things that are intimidating, smoke doesn't really tend to be one of them. So, like, good job making it scary. Yeah, and, like, uh, the way it expands, because she just got, like, a little bottle. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, grows and grows and grows. And, like, I don't really... Do we do we get an explanation of like what makes it stop, or just kind of does it settle in the lower areas? Like I, there is definitely like at some point they talk about how they get out of the smoke, and there's like a line of bodies where people were trying to go into the smoke, but it, there's a definite like stopping point. I don't think we get an explanation of why it has a radius, but I think so. We know that it's dragon's breath. 
And so maybe it has something to do with dragons. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. When in doubt, dragons. Dragons be fucking things up. I didn't know that. I'm, I just learned something. <laughs> that it was dragon's breath. I didn't know that. I think they mention it in the last bit of the last chapter where they're like, huh, she's got poisonous breath and we recognize it. Um, oh. When she's like standing over where in the present time, Janelle and Kieran are chatting in the quote unquote bar. Yeah, it's it's weird. We also get confirmation that Senere is the writer of the book, or I guess like the assembler of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once her like identity is like really confirmed and revealed, she just really starts going ham on those footnotes. It's very entertaining. She is just like constantly being like, Janelle's wrong. Janelle's wrong. Oh, she was right that time, but she was being an idiot about it. Like, it's so funny. <laughs> Thervishar's stupid. He's the stupidest of all the Thervishars. <laughs> yeah, she also does point out one of those things that I find like true of fantasy it was very like fourth wall bending moment where she's like you know he's not the only thurvishar that exists there's not only one thurvishar and it's Mm -hmm. like that's true but in novel writing you can't have that many characters with the same name or you go crazy (laughs) yeah totally yeah because then you have like the other end of it where like people are just complaining all the time about how you can't tell the characters apart Right. So like, yeah, I fair. And then I think she even makes a point. She was like, yeah, there there are other Thurvishars around, but also, yeah, that is the one that you were thinking about. <laughs> I think Janelle says at one point, too, she's like, we know all the same people. Yes. Yeah. I like that. Because I don't even know if it's come up yet that Janelle knows Darzan, but... Uh, no. Like, she hints it came at up it. Briefly. Yeah. 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 Uh, Janelle's flair for drama... Is really coming out in these uh, chapters, I find. Like, she's like purposely avoiding telling Kieran what happened in the afterlife. And what is it? Oh, the first time she's in the afterlife and meets Tareth. What is she? Oh, she's she's like, uh, she's just spouting off like some Shakespearean bullshit. Like, I ask a boon of you, my beautiful killer. It's like, girl, calm down. (laughs) <laughs> like I, I but i also i understand why you fit in with tara earth and kieran because y'all's all drama queens her really horniness are. definitely comes out in yes this. oh yeah because like even the like chapter nine begins with her teasing kieran like right away yeah of like oh how do you plan on paying me back and then teasing him throughout the rest of these uh chapters yeah they and then she just says it. She's like, I'm interested. Yeah. I I think that is, like Senora, I find it so refreshing that the Jorites are just kind of like, hi, I'm interested in you sexually. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, I'm not like, oh, I don't run with the mares. It's like, oh, okay, well, my friend's also interested in, like, you and they are a mare. So. Oh, yeah. And then there's a section where she, like, kisses Tareth and then immediately uh uh is like thinking about consent issues with that yeah Ooh. which is good yeah mm-hmm. yeah the Jorites are like weirdly so uptight about a lot of things like and their social structures but also like so chill about sex and like gender and and so much other stuff it's interesting like it's uh 
I guess like gender doesn't play a huge amount of role in their politics. And maybe that's why they're able to be so chill about it. Whereas like in, you know, Kerr or like Capital City Kerr and like Mm -hmm. the real world, (laughs) those things are very conflated. And so it becomes very hard to separate them out. But because the Jorties are so focused on like their uh, like hierarchy politics, Mm -hmm. the sexuality and gender is just like, yeah, whatever, go. Do you think? I think I think the ideal version of their politics doesn't involve yes, gender. Yes, that's fair. Yes. Because I feel like later on we realize that not everyone is living by the yeah. ideal Jorty standard. And some of them are, uh, you know, corrupt. Yeah, fair, fair. In a different way, and especially involving Janelle and her gender. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Because Janelle's specific situation... Uh, relies on other people not recognizing that she's a stallion, even though she is assigned female. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. There's that. There's that ideal versus real, and I like that none of these cultures are utopian. Because mm-hmm. like Tolkien had these utopian elves who were fading, but they were like, "This is everything that you should aspire to be. There's nothing wrong here." Like, we have different opinions about how much we should fight evil before going to heaven. But, like, Jorat has some fabulous gender policies, but they suck with magic. If you're born magical, like, they burn you to death. And it's just kind of like, well, too bad. It's like, you know, it's it's like burning someone with a a different genetic, like, predilection. It's like, oh, no, your thyroid doesn't work. (laughs) Fire for you. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, like, what happened to Taman's? Like, in these chapters, we find out what what Taman's deal was. And you have these, like, bad actors like Rello Svar coming in and taking advantage of this crazy superstition about magic. So Rello Svar comes in and he's like, no worries, bro. Your your son Taman, he's doing magic. It's totally cool. I'm gonna cure him, and then ends up like you know teaching him more magic and twisting his poor little brain around. Like Taman's not a good dude, but like he is like, I mean his his brain has been so twisted by Rallus Var. Like he, I believe that he truly did not know what he was doing, and like when they get the, when yeah. they get the story out of him eventually, like it's. It's very weird because he's like, yeah, I cured my dad because he was sick once or he got hurt. And then later I just I took it back and that's how he died. And and they're all like, you can't do that. Yeah, I'm really curious. I'm curious about that. Because yeah, Cohen remarks that that's not how it works. Did he take it back or did Rallus Farr kill his dad? I think I think Taman just killed him. But in his brain, what he was doing was taking it oh. back. That's my thought. That, yeah. Because Taman did really did not understand what he was doing. I think that's the most likely explanation. I would kind of like for it though to be something like more complicated. Maybe. Just because it seems really interesting. I mean Taman's out there somewhere. Like he gets yeah. censured and walks off into the sunset. Like he might be running around still. He comes back. Does he? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. I don't know if we want to mention it yet. What book is okay. it? This book. Oh, okay. Well, if it's this book, then... I'll mention it. Then. Yeah, well... Okay. The idea that, you know, you have these weird, weird, um, fucked up morals about something, it's really easy for somebody to come in and manipulate you based on yeah. your culture and then kick off this, like, crazy chain of events. 
It makes me curious about, because last time we talked about Taemin's bloodlust when Dijug was killing mm-hmm. that knight and squire. It makes me curious about him more than I thought I would be. Yeah, the whole, like, accidentally being a witch, like a real witch, like summoning demons, mm-hmm. is very interesting to me. Because, like, we don't know a huge amount about magic, but I, I, we generally know that intent has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so because his, yeah, because the intent was skewed, like, how did, yeah, anyways, it's the whole, like, culmination of what's happening in uh in marina is really good and man i was so confused the first time honestly because like there's so many new characters they're all thrown at you all this existing history and politics is thrown at you and then yeah and then there's demons and witch smoke and blah 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 blah. like it's a lot it's a lot the first time and so yeah i really enjoyed it a lot more reading it this time because I understood so much more of what was actually going on. Whereas I think the first time I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> I don't even remember who Calazan is. Yeah, it's like drinking from a fire hose the first time. Yeah. Because it's like, she has this very complete world that's set up on multiple levels of like, what actually is the truth and then what people perceive as the yeah. truth. And then what every culture perceives as the truth. And so like, in Quar, you have magic, and then, every, like, but then you also have witchcraft, which is, like, more focused on demons in Quar, yeah. but, like, in Jorat, everything's witchcraft, but what Taemin is doing is actually witchcraft, and it's, like, it's, everyone yeah. understands those perspectives intuitively because they live there, but, like, when, when, she, when Jen Lyons is just telling you that, it's just kind of like, uh-huh, what? okay, all right, turn page, yeah. let's go. And now he's a demon, and also apparently, any de- any dead body east of the dragon spires is just open season for demons. Yeah, that's so and weird. Like, where I, I want totally to know more about that. Detail. And and according yeah. to the footnotes, Senere has a theory about it, but she doesn't like have it nailed down yet. But I want to know what the theory is. Yeah, Senere, so, yeah. tell us already. Damn it. Yeah, girl. I think, so I think it's interesting, like. We tend to think of hell as this metaphorical place, especially in the West. Um, but, like, hell in these books is a physical reality. It is a yeah. physical place. Yeah. And so the physicality of, like, where you are and where you summon demons mattering, like, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm just like, okay, but what's the, the, what's the physical reasoning? It's, like, it's fascinating to me. That was one of the things that... I just, like, made a little note about my demonology studies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is, like, one of my biggest lingering questions, and we talked about this, like, biggest lingering questions as we reread these books is just, what the fuck is the deal with demons? For real. I mean, these chapters open up talking about the demons, where they're... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they're discussing, like, what the motives are, the de- are for the demons, and Cohen is, like, they're trying to survive just like we are, and, you know... It all depends on if we can both survive. And then uh, Senere has the footnote. I almost said Thervishar. Senere has... Because <laughs> this, this footnote about demons reads very much like a Thervishar uh, footnote. Mm. Um, but Senere has the re- remark about um, demons, like, don't throw away tools that they can use. Right. So uh, the demons are... Man, I I just like and there's there's parts in this 
these sections that talk about how um how Zaltaroth is different from other demons because they talk about how Zaltaroth uh possessed uh Janelle and like we revealed like the true story about mm-hmm. the yes. Helmar. So fucked. Well first Cohen has the remark that Father Zajera uh thinks Zaltaroth was trying to get the Emperor to kill a kid. And then Senere has a footnote that says the Emperor wasn't able to banish a demon. Mm-hmm. That should not be possible. Yeah, so what went down? Yeah. Zaltaroth is the demon that I'm like the most curious about. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes like they talk a lot in the books about how the de- like the demons are so out of anything, any context with what's going on on, I guess, like the main plane of existence. Like it's it's possible that like we will never understand them because their motives are just unknowable. Like the way that they also exist, like out of time. And it's mm. it's possible that we will never understand them. And that's like intentional on Jen Lyon's part. But I want to know. <laughs> I think it's interesting. I, I I think they are at least largely knowable because people keep speculating as to their motives, right? And like they seem to have, they seem to make plans. The plans might not be like strictly linear, but they have like beginning, middles, and ends. Mm-hmm. And like right. they're also talking about the thing that I found most frightening and interesting was the idea of the contract. So like the Geish are part of this contract and nobody seems to know why the demons would sign it yeah. or like you know they or agree to it and it's just kind of like well they must have gotten something what the hell did they get yeah was it their own continent did we just kind of like yeah maybe or like, yeah the idea that like if we feed you souls you get to keep them right yeah it's very yeah but the idea that they're like capable of making a bargain and sticking to it when they you know like the whole point of them is that they break promises and they lie and they're bad you know capital b Mm -hmm. but who's enforcing this then yeah yeah is there yeah like what i guess it it, will it's to a certain extent it's the stone of shackles i guess right right like that's like the actual power that's holding the things together uh-huh. I don't know if I can like, but like, yeah, like who who brokered that deal? Like who made that? I guess we did. We have talked about how grits apparently bound the demons. Yeah, they talk about how um, Kieran thought that Grist yeah. was the eighth god. Yeah, whatever whatever happened there doesn't seem it's shrouded in mystery and probably intentionally. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, like Grist has been around. Grist was like around a while ago, but not like that long ago. Like what was happening before that? Yeah. Yeah, and then Josh, what were you saying right before the contract? Oh, right, the the emperor couldn't banish Zaltaroth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, why is there an exception yeah. to a universally enforced rule? Yeah, especially for Zaltaroth of all demons, like. Yeah. That's problematic. So, I have no answers. I have a lot of questions, but I think the questions are super cool. Yes. Absolutely. I saw something I didn't pick up the first time I read this. Depending on how many people from a city or town die, depends on how, um, in the afterlife, how much of the town, mm. like, is actually real there. Like, right, the, the, tran- the, like the, the more people, yeah, mm-hmm. the imprint, 
like cold water because they were like completely slaughtered in the afterlife when Janelle goes to sleep. It's like almost completely there while mm-hmm. towns were just like a bunch of oh, like that that would imply that any city that has a long history mm. when people die the afterlife image would be more Quite strong uh, yeah and then what mm. happens if the city changes and I'm, I'm curious about like if like does it become like like does it depend on the percentage of people that died when one city was like this and then the percentage of yeah. people that died if it was like that the afterlife it's so weird yeah because we know from last book that there are also like permanent structures in the afterlife mm-hmm. although apparently they move around but we don't know how over what period of time yeah it's very yeah. weird and then there's that map that i don't think is in this book or the first book but if you google chorus of dragons map it'll show the continent to the left saying oh right afterlife Mm -hmm. so it may it may have a physical location but what does physicality even mean if stuff moves around or changes i'm just curious what would happen if janelle went to sleep in core like in the capital city where a bunch of people have died miserable deaths like what does that look like yeah but or like is it like an actual city also you know is it just Mm -hmm. like a functioning community of sorts right does it actually have multiple stories yeah. and buildings because like the other thing about Jorad is like it's mostly tents mm, and, like, yeah that's true underground buildings so be interesting yeah like if you went to afterlife you know capital city would it look the same mm-hmm. but also then like if if we're looking at the other continent the other continent is way smaller yeah so is it crammed in or does yeah. stuff just not exist after Yeah, is it, are we talking like a one-to-one? Well, we've talked before, too, about like what what the afterlife truly is. Because like, mm-hmm. hell and the afterlife are different. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, is the afterlife like a lower like mirror image of the re- the real world or the world of the living? And where, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> questions. Yeah, still waiting on those explanations. Questions. I mean, look, dude, book five is out in like six months, so waiting Roughly. imminently on those questions. Yeah, yes. that's gonna be crazy. Moving a little forward, like the discussion about demons, I like enjoyed the discussion about gatekeeper protocol, like how yeah. the gatekeeper will mm. open up the portal as they see something wrong, and then like they have protocols in place, but then like. They'll they'll not go to that portal. They'll go to a portal nearby, and so they have to form the like the A teams to go to different yeah. portals in order to inform the army of what happening in is, is happening in Marina. Yeah, I liked that. I liked that it showed that core like we hear a lot about how Atron Candor uh, totally fucked up his invasion, yeah. and like also we hate them, but like. It's it's a good reminder every once in a while that, like, Empire tends to be Empire for a reason, and it tends to be, like, military strength and monetary wealth. And then, like, the soft power on top of it mm-hmm. often, but, like, oh, right, the army knows what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, like, there, yeah, there is a reason beyond, you know, a few crazy emperors why Kur has conquered this entire continent. It's because they have a really yeah. good army, and they're very organized. 
Yeah. And Jurat invited them. So yes. there's that. Too. They were like, come help us kill our horse god. Like, we like horses a lot. More than yeah. normal. But this guy. We're going to keep no the horses, get rid of the horse god. And I think the centaurs, too. Because I think the centaurs, the centaurs stayed yeah. loyal to Corsal or something. Yeah. I thought most of them died out uh, in the in the like war with Maybe Corsal. I think I think a lot of them drowned because they flooded right oh. the whole valley. Yeah, and then and then in return, Jorat gave Hor Joras and all his his kin because apparently they were like the best sorcerers in Jorat, and that's why it's named Jorat. And I love that Dorna does this explanation, and then Cone is like. But do you really believe that? And she's like, no, it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but it does make me curious of like who of characters that we know that are sorcerers who actually has the blood of Jorah right. in them. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. Dervishar, probably he's he's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> well, and do we f I think we find it in this book that Dorna also does magic, right? Is that this book or is that like the next book? Dorna Dorna does one spell where she breaks cords. I don't remember this, but I, I think it's remember. probably this book. Yeah. She doesn't feature heavily. Yeah. Dorna so yeah, Dorna does do Dorna Dorna does Dorna does do magic. She knows one spell and it's she can break cords. So you'll see a lot in scenes with Dorna where uh like so when um Deidre's fuckboys show up Mm -hmm. to Janelle and Ninevis, all of their drawstrings break on their bows. And then Dorna is the one who ties up Kalazan, and Kalazan's ropes break, oh. and he gets out. It also explains how she's so good at taking coin purses. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Dorna does Dorna does one magic. I, I, think, I think it is this book. If it's, it's not be. this book, it's not a huge thing for no, me to drop right it now comes up in this one um I, yeah, i'm pretty sure like senere makes notes about it at some point like the idea that um yeah like uh, there are there are people around who are doing magic without maybe necessarily knowing it she figures dorna probably knows mm -hmm. yeah. um but maybe dorna is blood of joras which would be which would be funny considering yeah. that she thinks it's all a bunch of yeah hooey i could absolutely yeah. see that being jen line's plan mm-hmm it's also funny because, like, Kieran started doing magic kind of by accident. Mm. Like, he he had, like, the one spell, and then he spent forever trying to get past yeah. that block. I don't know if every sorcerer has a witch gift, so mm. maybe every sorcerer that has a witch gift is Blood of Jorah's. Maybe. It's also possible that the witch gift is just, like, really widespread and only in Jorah does it seem, like, yeah. problematic. I have a question going back about Zaltaroth that I just realized from my notes. So we talked about how Sandus couldn't banish Zaltaroth. Mm -hmm. And then Father Zajira is brought in. And Zaltaroth leaves. Do Relosvar and Zaltaroth have some kind of deal? Because Father Zajira is Relosvar. Uh, yeah, for anyone listening, I don't think that's been revealed yet in these not, chapters, but, but like yeah. it's heavily implied. And it's it's so they you're welcome. I, we're gonna learn it in like a couple chapters, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I would bet you that they've encountered each other yeah, because right? like 
given the amount of time that Relisvar has been alive and the amount of time that doesn't even matter to Zeltra, yeah. because time is your immaterial, like, they probably cross paths. Yeah. This well, seems like the kind of deal that each one of them, like, they make the deal, and then Relisvar will be like, aha, I got what I wanted, and Zaltroth will be like, aha, I got what I wanted. Probably, <laughs> yeah. Knowing that the other, like, not knowing that the other got what they wanted. Like, a sort of, like, a, you know, it seems like they're aligned, but they're not really aligned kind of deal. Yeah, but, like, yeah, I mean, what did Zaltroth offer? Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, what did, what did Relisvar offer in exchange for Janelle? Well, I also think, so... Um, I think Thane, someone makes mention that Zaltaroth had a deal going. Like, Janelle didn't lose her mind, and Janelle got her body back eventually because Zaltaroth had made a deal with her mother. And Janelle thinks that her mother right now is a woman who died in the Hell March, along with her father. Janelle doesn't know who her parents are, and so that's like... That's actually a big secret, um, even from her, but her... Should I say who her mother is? I mean, it's in this book, so yeah. Yeah, okay. So Janelle's mother is actually a goddess. Um, so it's possible that there was a deal going on there, and Rella's bar just happened to be present, like, it's when true. it played out. Also, like, good pull, Corrin Milligreased, like, nailing the goddess of magic. Damn. It was... Yeah, that, that part was very, like... Again, prequel Elminster. novels. We want them. Yeah. Oh, so badly. What does that meet cute look like? It seems like the gods sort of like pick it. To me, it goes the other way where uh, the goddess of magic was like, I like you. Yeah, You're mine now. this is happening. Especially when they talk about Thane's lovers. True. Yeah. So, so maybe it's not. Maybe she's very Jorty's about it. Hi, you, me, that corner mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Like, who's going to say no? Yeah. And these chapters with Taman, like, we get, like, the important notes about Jorat. Like, like Cohen is so culture-shocked by them just being like, I think Calizan will be our new uh, Baron. <laughs> and then Dorna explains, you know, what you protect is what you serve, and mm-hmm. that's how the herd works. And then Cohen is like, but... And, oh, and then that stallions always rule the uh, the herd. And then Cone, being an academic, has to be like, but it's mares that do it. <laughs> and then she's like, we're talking politics, not horses. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So good. Uh, but I think, I, I think that was a good comeback. But I think there's another implied comeback there, which is like, yeah, of course, like soft power and soft rule yeah. versus like up front, out, out in front rules um because like janelle can get led around by her heart and her loins pretty easily and she's a stallion it's just kind of like yeah i can see a bunch of mares actually running things Mm, truth so but yeah good good line for dorna all of line all of her lines are good though oh she's like gold every bit it yeah, Every like single one. we were talking before, like there's a whole exchange where she talks to a random woman at the tournament, finds out some information about this one jouster, and then Cone's badgering her about it. And what she, what she she's just like, "That's what's his face from where from Siphon. His family makes mangoes." Duh. <laughs> yeah, she just repeats the oh, line. It's so good. And her horse's name is Pocket Biter. Like, yeah, it's so good. And she has all these lines about being the former count. Of yeah. a place, and it's different mm-hmm. every time. 
And, and Senere is even like, that could be true. Can't tell which of her lies. Yeah. <laughs> but then she also has like, there's this really great conversation with um, her and Khan and Nineveh when Janelle's asleep. And it's really sweet where, mm-hmm. you know, Nineveh is talking about how when Janelle's asleep, she looks her age. My daughter would have been about that age. Mm. Oh, man. The Nineveh story the about Nineveh's her daughter story is really nonstop sad. heartbreak. I forgot about that. Yeah, so sad. And they're kind of asking like Dorna, "Oh, had you ever? Did you do you have kids?" And Dorna just immediately looks at Janelle and she was like, "Yeah, she's my kid. Like I raised her. She's about as good mm-hmm. as anybody could expect from a kid. So yeah, she's my kid." But yeah, the audiobook, I definitely recommend listening to those parts because it's done really well. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Nineveh's backstory is brutal. Yeah, and it's mostly told in footnote, which is yeah. how you know you've got a good author. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, this secondary character you don't think is going to be super important, and then it's just like, wham, punch right to the solar plexus. Yeah, totally. That was also the section where Dorna revealed that uh, Father Sejera was the one that got uh, Zaltaroth out of Janelle. Mm-hmm. And then, I did not remember this. Dorna reveals that Father Zajera stayed with Janelle to make sure she was of sound mind mm-hmm. for six months and then stayed around for another three years. Yeah. What was Relish? Why? What was Relishvar's intention? Like, I think he was looking after his so investment. Curious. Yeah. I think and setting up yeah. what, what went on just in these past few chapters. Because mm-hmm. that's like, we learn... We don't know exactly what's going on still, but we do know that Rilosvar does want Yor to invade Jorat. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to do it from the middle of the country where no one's, no one's going to expect it. Like, the borders are well protected, but no one really... Like, there aren't a lot of defensive uh, fortifications in, like, mm. fucking Iowa. Because, like, the hell's going to land in Iowa? Yeah. You have to come past one border. Yeah. Um, except when you have gate stones. Oh, before we move on from the names of horses, uh, so Cone's uh, horse is named Cloud, and I will bet both of you $5 that it's actually from the Tamara Pierce books. Oh! Because the main, because um, Dany, the Dany books, the Wild Magic books, uh, her mm. main horse is named Cloud. I will it's not just take like, that I bet that that's yeah. a... Yeah, I, probably, so. yeah. <laughs> Jen Lyons knows the the uh tapestry into which she is weaving her own yes story, so. yes when well, she's like of our age so i think that she probably grew up on the same books we did too yeah speaking of cone uh right before they go to sleep when right bef- when they arrive at Nineveh's like hideout the corsal uh-huh. stronghold uh they have they have their first encounter with ionaric flying overhead yeah and, uh, like that's cool dragons we love dragons but the discussion afterwards is what i was curious about because cone reveals that he was taught the names of all the dragons and that there's eight dragons and that but then janelle questions him like like there are eight gods and uh cone has this look on his face where janelle remarks about oh, he's about to lie to me, or that he just lied to me. And he says, sometimes a number is just a number. 
And then I'm pretty sure Senare has a, a footnote that says, but not in this case. I think she, her footnote is something like, all right, yeah, nine dragons or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Yeah. But why did Cone lie? Is yeah, that I'm is weird. About. It, probably in the Vishai mysteries, like he knows some things that are part of the religion that he doesn't want to bring up. Yeah. It's also possible that like he just doesn't want to deal so like what he believes is blasphemous and everyone's kind of like hey that's blasphemous end of discussion um but he's very aware that if people think that he's too blasphemous Mm. they'll take it out on it that's fair yeah um so he may he may have opinions about dragons kind of like his opinions about gods which is just that gods are really powerful magicians or sorcerers um and that doesn't play well already so yeah fair I, the, I am constantly just amazed at the balls of Relosvar, like, to invent a religion, which is basically correct, like, the actual, more or less, description of what, what happened in the world, and everybody is just like, no, nah, that's heresy. <laughs> it gets at something very human, though. It's like, once you have myths, you don't want to believe that they're not true, right? Oh, yeah. That there's an explanation. It's it's a lot easier to convince people that, like, I don't know, there are, like, that there's something magical and wonderful and someone's going to save you, as opposed to, like, well, there's someone out there, but they're kind of just like you, and they kind of, like, make mistakes. And it's like, that's terrifying. Yeah, that's why uh, Elon Musk is not going to save the world. He might do the opposite. <laughs> yeah, <though>. quite likely. <laughs> But it's also why I think a lot of myths about, like, so the enduring pantheons of, like, the Greek gods or the uh, Norse gods, like, they were very flawed characters. Mm, Like, they sucked. Sometimes they fucked around. They found out. Yep. So, you know, having having an all-powerful god who loves you is a much easier story to deal with than, like, well, Zeus might listen to you, or he might fuck your wife. Yeah, and then smite you with a lightning bolt because you looked at something sideways. Like, his wife sideways, you know? And, like, you know, you then you have rules about, like, okay, well, if I just don't look at women, like, I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, but, like, depends on what, what, depends on what sets of rules you want to listen Mm -hmm. to, right? Like, do you want the prescriptions of, like, okay, don't look at any people that look like Hera. Or do you want it to be like, loving God will forgive you for... Yeah, I know which one sounds easier. Yeah. Can we talk about, um, not the story, but the present? Because a lot of stuff comes up. The the storm shelter? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, first off, you know, we go back to Kieran, like, realizing that Cone worships who Kieran used to be. Yeah. And then... There's all this, you know, teasing between Janelle and Kieran, making it awkward for them. And then that's when Kieran begins to figure out, oh, everyone in this room is people from the Janelle story. Like, he starts to notice Dorna. He sees Ninevis's, uh, like, um... Like, wine stain? Wine stain mm-hmm. near her eye. And... Uh, Sir Barramon is there. Yeah. Yeah, and she makes a comment. She was like, "Well, wouldn't you staff a meeting full of your people?" <laughs> like, mm-hmm. She was like, "I knew you were coming, but like, I didn't really know who you were." So yeah, <laughs> I I filled this place with my people. 
That's a very, very specific rhetorical question. It's like, if you were going to do this, wouldn't you, of course, set up this incredibly complicated, <laughs> like, workaround? It's like, I guess. <laughs> but she already knows that he did that because she right. read Thurvishar's manuscript about what happened. Yeah. Because that's how she knows everything about Kieran's right. story. But I think the most important part is we find out that Teraith, uh lied by omission to yes. uh, Kieran mm. about Janelle. And we get more um, love triangle drama. I can't where... believe it's not just that Kieran talks in his sleep. Yeah. Because in the first book, you know, Kieran, uh, Teraith brings up Janelle in order to keep him on the island. And then Kieran's like, how did you know that? And this whole drama. And like, Therese is like, oh, you talk in your sleep. Turns out he was lying. He had already met Janelle. And we find out Janelle is how the Brotherhood found out about Kieran going on the auction yeah. block. I, lo I love that. This is where we get like the first like big connections between the two books. Yeah, because the first time that. she ran into Therese in the afterlife, I was like, Oh, okay. This is this is when Tereth has died from the Mavanos. But no, it was before that because I totally forgot that she meets him before yeah. they go pick up Kieran, and and yeah, that's mm -hmm. how they know to go pick up Kieran. But I think I think you're right. The second time they meet in the afterlife, yes, which is the last yes. chapter, yes, um, is the Mavanos. Yes, because I think she remarks that he has like something in his chest. Uh, the second time that they meet, when he's oh. when he turns around, and I think. Uh, Hmm. I'm sure you're right. Yeah, I don't probably. remember that part. Yeah. I think it was I think I assume that more because Thane is kind of like, you owe me. Like they have the whole like um shorthand conversation between mother and son that they were having yeah. on the island in the first book. Yeah, and timing wise it makes sense because the time from pick up Kieran to get to the island is really only like a day. Yeah. So should we talk afterlife? Let's talk afterlife. Let's talk afterlife. I just, I just want to remark one more oh, thing yeah. about the present. Janelle also reveals that the person that they're waiting for is Thurvishar. Oh, yes. <laughs> and Kieran doesn't know how much, like, we all know as readers right. how much of a good person Thurvishar is. But Kieran mm -hmm. is still in a place where yeah. he is unsure about Thurvishar. And I found that uh, really curious. Yeah, because the, the last time he saw Thurvishar, Thurvishar was trying to kill him. Yeah. You know, kind of against his will, but still. My favorite part is when Kieran interacts with Dorna for the first time, and she totally shits on nobles, and Kieran is like, oh yeah, I'm right there with you. They suck. <laughs> oh, and then she, she, he tries to drink the, like, corn spirit or whatever that Star and Dorna have just been, like, downing. Yeah. And he, he like, takes, like, oh, one drink of it and wants to die. I think she's describing whiskey. Yeah. Or at least I really wanted her to be describing whiskey, because it's like, it's gross, and it's terrible, and we love it. It's like, oh, that's how I feel. <laughs> and and also, uh, Cone reveals World Hearth. He, he explains right. what yes. it is and how it works. Which, and then Kieran's like, oh, man, if the noble families had this, it would oh my God. be the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially the effect that you can cast spells through it. Like, that's through crazy. It, that is terrifying. Yeah. It's also funny how... So they're not... They're, they're kind of like the Infinity Stones, the, the Cornerstones, mm -hmm. to me. Because they're like... They represent concepts, but those concepts are not like earth, fire, right. water. Um, like, they're not in balance. They're just all pretty powerful. Yeah. 
they're even they're even more idiosyncratic than the infinity stones actually because <laughs> at least those are like concepts but these are like yeah this one represents the concept of if you get stabbed you take over your enemy's <laughs> body wait that's not a concept yeah. <laughs> and also contracts um so i i really like that but i think it's kind of funny because you cannot possibly guess what the other cornerstones are if you know yeah what, no. like three of them are just like oh well i think that you should be able to do x is like well that's too bad because you can't anyway yeah let's talk afterlife yeah. So yeah, we we touched on it a little bit already, but yeah. So the first time they meet, uh, they fight each other, Janelle and Teresh, and then yeah, it's just like it is like afterlife Riverdale. They're just yeah, like Janelle is just like he's so pretty, my my <laughs> beautiful killer. I ask a boon of you, and like they're just like he won't tell her his name, and it's like oh my god, you guys, like come on. Yeah, but we can't forget that she's fifteen. Well, she does think she's gonna die at this point. Yeah. Oh, I like that we had very different excuses for her. Josh is like, emotionally, she's it's fine. And I'm just like, she's dumb because she's not many I mean, years. she is 16, yeah. Yeah, that's true. She is 16. Like, and another point about her being 16 and Kieran being young, when they're in the bar and their thighs touch and Kieran is like talking about how much like sexually charged that is. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, you guys are teenagers. Yeah. Yeah, no, this that's basically my notes for the first meeting is that it's basically Afterlife Riverdale. Yeah, and she fights Casmodius and Yeah. Lets him get his ass kicked by yeah. arrows. I do find I do find it cool that they're black arrows with white feathers mm. and like you they when they the the sections of the body that they stab, there's like flakes of light, like mm. radiant light coming off of it. I did like that. Mm-hmm. The these these chapters have good action scenes. Like, I made a note about when they're fleeing the white smoke and they go to the 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 keep, tame, like, Taman's Baron's keep, mm-hmm. how um, uh, it's funny that Janelle is in front, the strong woman, and Cone's in the back being very timid, holding on <laughs> to Janelle yeah. as they ride, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Ariscon? Yeah, Ariscon. Yeah. And we haven't, well, I guess we haven't really been to the afterlife much in general, but it is, like, quite spooky and scary when Thane shows up. Mm -hmm. Especially because, like, we kind of already, we kind of know her, but we don't know her as this, like, super scary force yet. And she shows up with her white elephants and her squad and they're killing demons and uh and i mean she goes right for janelle especially the second time she mm-hmm. shot both times yeah. she's like far in the di- like her presence right the yeah first yeah time. yeah and the second time she shows up in person mm-hmm. she like it, you know as these books do immediately tries to murder the main character yeah so. i i do love the bit where janelle is like oh no did i just kiss Thane's lover. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Oh no, it's his, it's her son. Oh, okay. Oh no, that could be worse. <laughs> well, I like how it could be worse lasts her approximately 5 seconds and she's like, "So how much?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, looking God, back, it's funny. The, these sections are kind of a red flag for Thane. Like a the little. way she uh 
the way she sort of treats Teraith and mm. the way she sort of treats Janelle. Because Janelle isn't, she knows who Janelle is. She just thinks she's too far gone to be of use to them. I think so. And she even she even remarks upon it. She's like, "Oh, you're not too far gone yeah. yet." Yeah, she's she like, about, "You aren't lost to us." I think. She also says something about family, which is very telling. Mm. She's just like Relisvar loves to like pit family against mm. each other. And it's just kind of like. Pretty sure you don't mean that you are preemptively daughtering law in uh, <laughs> Janelle. So, very telling. And like a typical fantasy, this is when th- uh, a god gives the protagonist a quest. Yes! Mm-hmm. A holy quest! For Korval, the spear that could mm. maybe kill a dragon. She's like, it might. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that Janelle is like, yeah, I have no idea how I'm going to do that. <laughs> like, how am I going to... Like, because Thane says that it's in Yorn's castle. Mm-hmm. And then... And um, mm. Teraith remarks, like, oh, we've been trying to get that for years. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. And Janelle's like, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> she's like, I don't even Instead know where that is. Instead of just being like, I will do this for you, Thane. She's just like, I don't, I don't know, man. Mm. Because she's never left Jarrett. No. <laughs> yeah, and just she's like, yeah, okay, so sure. Cool. I mean, are you gonna say no in that scenario? Like, really? Like, just put that oh. in the back of the quest log. But there is great foreshadowing for this because back to modern day, when Dorna Janelle's about to begin the story again, and says to Dorna and Ninevis and Star, hey, could you give us some privacy? And Dorna is mm-hmm. like, I haven't seen you and Cone in years. Oh, so, right. I definitely, this is the fourth time writing it, reading it, and I did not pick up on that. I also that, did not pick that up. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint. Yeah. And the the other the other <clears> subtle <throat> hint that I totally didn't pick up on was that if the timing for the, when they go uh, when the Brotherhood goes and uh, buys Kieran, mm-hmm. lines up. Kieran spends years on that island. Yeah, it's just like Janelle's gonna spend years somewhere for, the, for them to yeah. meet up in the present. It's like, oh, now I understand what happened. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think I think that is all my notes for this chapter. I think so. Me too. Lots of demon questions, as always. But demon questions that make a lot more sense because I also don't have questions about five million other things. Yeah. So that helps. Yeah. I think the one other thing I would say is that Jorat talks about horses so much. I said this before we started recording that you forget that they have elephants that they also ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all totally forgot about the elephants. Yeah. It makes sense. It's like quadrupedal yeah. uh, beasts. Riding of, culture. Yeah. yeah. Also, just one other thing that I have underlined and uh, tabbed when Janelle is laying into uh, Taman about what he's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, she and, and this reflects back on her when she gets upset. People in Barsini and people in Coldwater all being dead. Um, 
she says to Taman, "You're the Baron of Barsini. Everything what happens in your banner is that is by definition your fault." And while she's saying that to him throughout the book, Janelle will take on um, her shoulders the responsibility of things that happen in Jorat being her fault. And then we go back to chapter nine, the very beginning, where Janelle uh, remarks that um, she hates the idea that because there's a prophecy um, that people have died just because she exists. Mm-hmm. And then Kieran reflects that he also feels that way based on what has happened in the capital in the first book. And you'll see that like throughout the this book. These books take prophecy to be less of a MacGuffin and more of a problem. And yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not just horny for each other. They have other things in common, too. <laughs> like guilt. Yes. And trauma. <laughs> Many yes. deaths pseudo sort of on their hands in an abstract way. All right. Um, quickly, what is everybody else reading? I, I made a note to quote Janelle. Um too much and not enough. Um, <laughs> I am I am reading uh, the wrestler John Moxley's Ooh. book, uh, just entitled Mox. Uh, I am reading Stephen Erickson's uh, "The God Is Not Willing." Uh, I have paused. I have paused my reading of One Piece to read okay. these books. <laughs> uh, I am also reading A.K. Larkwood's "The Thousand Eyes," which I have received a. ARC for. Nice. And that's about it for now. What about you, Steph? Uh, I am currently reading The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri. I really like it so far. Um, we might cover it on the show, maybe? Dope, yeah. I actually did pretty good. I finished like two books this week. So I'll probably pick up eh, three to compensate for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, but boy. right now, it's actually, I think I'm just reading The Jasmine Throne. So that's good. That's weird. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Christina? I just finished uh, The Bone Orchard, which is forthcoming. Um, And it was like, I can't even start my review of it because I have needed the past few days to just digest it. Mm. Like, it was so good. You know how you like, okay, well, I'm going to read while I'm walking. I'm going to read while I'm doing something else. I set up a little stand so I could read in the shower. Nice. That's how good that book is. That rules. That sounds amazing. That's a good sign. It was great. So, uh, but it was like heavy. So, need some time to process Mm -hmm. it. Dope. So, yeah. You can find me at Girl on Geekly um, and on Twitter. Writing reviews. General shit posting. (laughs) Stuff. Uh, You can find me at Steph O. Kingston on wherever internet is sold. (laughs) <laughs> you can find me at 405 wits and writing reviews at geeklyinc.com i tweet about books and wrestling and video games and that's it all right thanks for joining us keep reading and don't forget the elephants there you go yeah don't forget to they won't forget you subscribe and buy elephants <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Page Unturned, part of the Geekly Inc. podcast family. 
If you like the show, please show us some love with a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Page Podcast. The show is edited by me, Steph Kingston. Our amazing theme music is by Bad Sparrow, and you can check them out at Bad Sparrow Music. And our cover art is by Chango Chimango, who you can check out on Instagram and Twitter at Chango Chimango.